gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. We are back. We took a week off. We were off for Thanksgiving. Hey, if you do a show that comes out on Thursdays, you, you, you don't produce a show on Thursdays. I mean, that, th- there's got to be a time where we can take a break. We took a break, and we are back, and we are so thankful for all the folks that have uh, asked me on social media, what the hell, man? Where was, where's the Hall of Justice? Why didn't you do an episode? Well, that's why we didn't do an episode. It wasn't, show wasn't canceled. We weren't part of cancel culture. It was just we took a week off for Thanksgiving. And if we were ever going to leave you without a podcast for a week, Judd Winnick was incredible last week that was so much fun to meet with a guy with such an interesting story to tell and the wide range of podcasts that we can create in this genre is truly truly incredible we have talked in the past on this podcast about warner brothers animation and the series of dc universe animated movies not to be confused with the app that is now HBO Max, although a lot of the movies are on HBO Max. The DC Universe uh, has been around, and they've now 30-plus films, and we've ranked them, we've talked about them, we've talked to James Tucker, we've talked to Jeremy Adams, Tim Sheridan, we've done voice actors on these, Vanessa Marshall and Roger Craig Smith, Diedrich Bader's been on. A a lot of uh, different people have been on, and this gentleman who is joining us today has written so Many of them. You got to hear this list. Uh, Justice League Dark, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract, Batman Hush, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Yes, we get to revisit that one. And the newest one, Injustice, which just came out about a couple of weeks ago. And we've touched on it on the podcast, but we haven't really done a full on review. His writing career goes all the way back to the 90s. He wrote on Spider-Man, the animated series. He wrote on Static Shock which uh, everybody has laughed at me on social media about, but I'm actually seeing it for the first time because of HBO Max, Uh, Green Lantern, the animated series, and much, much more. Ernie Altbacker is with us here on the Hall of Justice. Ernie, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hello, Seth. Hello, everybody in podcast land podcast land. That's, <laughs> that's 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 a new uh that, that, that it's a new community that we're starting it's just going to be yeah. podcast land uh, you yes you can come and go as you please um congratulations on all your success uh and congrats on injustice um injustice is dark uh apocalypse war is stinking dark so all i'm going to ask you and to open up the podcast how 
deep is your, how dark is your mind? How, <laughs> how vicious can you get? And are you the kind of guy that when you were playing with the action figures growing up, did you like rip their heads off and stuff? Cause that's essentially what these movies do. Wow. All right. That's and that's a compliment. And, and that's, and that's a compliment. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's see. I, I think I, I, when I, when I did justice league dark, just because of the title and, and yes, it, parts of it are pretty dark. Um, and, and you know what, after that, after that, they, they just kind of came where they were more like, is this one going to be an R also? And then uh, Just League Dark Apocalypse War came in. I'm like, well, that one's definitely an R. And then I got Injustice. You know, <laughs> I mean, I saw the internet. They were like, um, uh, Avengers Endgame killed this many people, or, or just killed Tony Stark at the end. And it was like, hold my beer, you know, to check out Apocalypse War here. We killed a couple more than that. And at that time, I was working on Injustice, and I was like, oh, my God, it's worse. It's, like, far worse. Um, I, I'm going to get branded on this. But, you know, I've also done, like, happy-go-lucky little kid shows and stuff. But right, you did Justice League action. Yeah, you know, Justice League. I mean, JJ the Jet Plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like I've done preschool shows. So I'm, I'm getting this kind of, like, oh, no, he only writes this R-rated um, adult anime type stuff and and i'm like no no I, I i like the comedy i like the fun stuff too you know it just it just hasn't been coming my way um and unfortunately my next thing is also super dark is it really oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah. but uh, after i was that, gonna save that for that, the end after that it comes it, it comes up you know it, it it goes up a little bit so so um so yeah, there you go. Well, but no, I, I wasn't biting the head off the action figures like Ozzy Osbourne when, right. when I was in the like you box. broke all the you took all the the Autobots you took them apart when you were <laughs> no 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 it was yeah it wasn't the bad kid from like Toy Story <laughs> two or something three. Right. <laughs> um, you know one of the things that uh, we had touched on uh, with Injustice or that I had thought when I saw Injustice. I'm not overly familiar with the game. Um, those role-playing games, I can't get into. I, I love video games. I do the sports ones, you know, the, the game where you start and you finish, and I don't necessarily dive into these worlds. And most of the time when we've talked about video games on the podcast, it's been from the voice actors who love them because they pay really well. Um, what parameters did you have? And what was your own idea? So I'm was was the joker killing lois lane spoilers it was the joker killing lois lane was that in the game was that given to you or is that something where you like wow how how bad can we get this uh no that was in the the comic prequel to right. the game. okay to the I game the, yeah it was I a prequel to the game not the movie the the game well, they had the the game, right? And then they have all these cutscenes and stuff. And I, I'm not I'm not a game player. I I was like addicted in the early nineties. I had to go cold turkey because I wasn't getting any writing done. So like after Doom two, no Doom three and Quake two, I haven't played a video game unless it's like a stand up game in an arcade. I'll drop a quarter in there. 
if I, <laughs> a dollar now, <laughs> if there's one of those. But so I, I don't play those anymore. Uh, but so they did a prequel by Tom Taylor. And um, I'm forgetting the very talented artist's name right now, of course. But um, of how they got those points, how they got those points. I think that was in the game also. Okay. That, you know, Batman putting fist through the Joker and getting there. Um, I'm not sure if the lowest lane death was. But anyway, so that was that was in the comic. There's a lot of great scenes that were in the comic. It's just there's like year one, year two, up to year five. Really, it, um, it should be a series of like three or four seasons, 10 episodes, 10 hour long episodes. There's that much material. But all we got a chance to do was one 72 minute thing. And, you know, they're like, do the best you can. And Rick Morales and, and myself and, and Matt Peters, that's um, yeah. like kind of, it's like, oh, this is my favorite thing. It's like, nope, that's got to go too. And <laughs> oh, what, what about this favorite thing? It's like, nope, that's got to go too. Uh, I mean, it, it was just like cutting so much stuff. It was heartbreaking to yeah, us. Yeah. But um, we just had to get it down to Superman versus Batman as the main thing. And then they each have a support system and a, and a love uh, that, that had to be serviced there. Yeah, but they fought over a real thing, you know, and 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 I and I wanted to ask you about that too because you're writing this with all these stipulations and you're doing it in the aftermath of Batman v Superman where they fought because they both didn't realize that their moms were the same name. Um was that a frame of reference, I guess, I guess because it had been so forward in the the mindset of the viewer. Boy, you know what? They, that's what that's what the fandom sometimes doesn't get is timeline continuity. I think this. What year did that movie come out? That was twenty. So we started the podcast right when it was happening. Um, so twenty sixteen. You guys didn't do injustice. No, we had the whole conversation. If you go back, and this is more for the audience, uh, if you go back to. Uh, an earlier episode of the podcast where we talk about uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, James Tucker uh, was the exec producer on that film, and that was 184, and that had come out before Avengers Endgame, which was 2018. There's, you're telling me Injustice was written that long ago? I'm saying Injustice. It had to be. I- it have to be after after Batman v Superman. No, I think Injustice is like 2010. That's what I think, or 2013, but I can't, I, I don't, I'm trying to look it up right now. Really oh, you're fast. talking about the game. I thought your script. Oh, no, no. The script was just written, you know, two two years ago, two and a half yeah, years ago. that's what ago. I figured. It was right? right before COVID, right? All right, so the series ran from January 2013 to 2016. So that means the video game was before this. Well, you know, you know, like several several years before, probably 2010, which is where I, I got that um, that number from, right? So people that are, would say, oh, you know, it's because of Batman v Superman. It's probably the other way around, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's what gets to the screens first that that people are like, 
well okay. no 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 i i understand i understand that part what i was thinking more along the lines of i didn't think you wrote injustice before 2016 oh, and no. and so you have this i mean if social media was anything the battle of batman v superman whether that's a good or bad movie is probably as bad as the political crap that you see on twitter now like <laughs> it was it was venomous. It was crazed back then. And I'm just wondering if that's in the back of your mind as you're writing scenes and dialogue between Superman and Batman. I mean, it had some it had some great stuff in there. And and, and yeah, I think we obviously added to it. And maybe it was a, you know, a, a, a piece of its time. But remember, its time might have been earlier than anybody thinks. Sure, because sure. No, no, I, 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 I totally that, get that. I, yeah. I totally get that. I was amazed. I, I will say, you know, the, I referenced the Tucker interview um, and now I'm kind of bouncing around. But the fact that Justice League Dark Apocalypse War was written and conceptualized before Endgame came out, because there are parallels in that movie. And it's almost like like someone from Marvel was was like bugging your writer's room or or some something was going on because and the amazing part about it is is that you guys wrote that first and yes I'm well aware of the animation of it the difference with Apocalypse War to Injustice is you don't have the the, the video game and the legacy of of that storyline you know was was the was the tattoo scene with Superman, was that you? Like, was that like you're sitting at your desk and you're like, we are gonna literally torture the hell out of this guy? Like, I gotta give uh, full credit to Mirbridge Scott. She actually had this old script or something where where they tattooed Superman to get rid of his powers, and she pulled it from that. It's like, what if we do this? So that was that was in there. I, I mean, it was an odd experience. And, and so I basically I basically was brought in to rewrite the script and make it more Justice League darky, mm. all right? So they had okay. something that, that they liked, and then they're like, well, he did the first Justice League dark, so why doesn't he come in? And, and so it was, you know, uh, a, fun, a fun rewrite. But that was one of the things where I'm like, well, I'm not screwing with that. That's great. I mean, oh my God. That, that was that was wild. It also solves a huge problem about writing Superman, where it's like he's like the Babe Ruth of superheroes. He's the fastest and the strongest, so it's really tough. To, you know, and, and he's also all good. He's never bad, right? So, so you depower him, and and you prove and now you that, make you make the, the the story more compelling, which is. I've always said I think Superman's the best character, but Batman always has the best stories because exactly. they're, they're they're better to write. Bruce Tim did an interview with um, with Wizard Magazine. We're talking dating. I'm dating myself here. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in the '90s, when the Superman animated series came out, and he had said um, writing Superman is hard. And my reaction then, and it's, I, I fully support it now, is good. Because when it's done well, it's that much more of an accomplishment. You know, some of the episodes of Superman in the animated series are absolute brilliance. And when you see them, if that's hard, if you're saying that writing him is hard, 
when you hit it out of the park, it's the grand slam, you know? So I, it's, it's very interesting to hear you say that because I would imagine seeing the daunting challenge of how do you write a great Superman story and how hard that is when you guys hit it out, that's quite a reward. Don't you think? For me, they're just all fun. There's always, you just have to find your way into the character and then that'll be your favorites. I mean, they're, 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 it, it's always just kind of a blast. But I mean, if you, I don't know if, uh, if, if James told you this, right? But there was like Justice League Dark 2 or Justice League Dark the sequel, I had pitched this story and it was completely different. It was just all, it was really like a demonic Constantine story. And then all of a sudden, Warner Brothers said, you know what, we want to try different things with the storylines. You got to wrap it up in one. And whatever plans he had for eight, 10 movies in the future to wrap it up, they were not complete. You know, like we didn't have Supergirl and stuff, right? So, right, sure. So I had to go off and do something else. Uh, uh, Maribyrd Scott was brought in. Mm-hmm. And and they told her, you know, do it this way. And it was it was very much, you know, a Justice League, right? And then they're like, well, now it has to be Justice League Dark because that's what was on the schedule, like for publicity or something. So it's like, well, man, we got to dark this thing up. <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, let's bring Murray back here to do that, right? So I, I mean... Like that, it all came together and so well with all the voice acting and the animation that James like did and all those great moments of like spoilers here. Um, The movie's been out for years. Yeah, it's like like all those great death scenes that people have. I relished writing and rewriting those to where I'm like, all right, I got to give Etra get a good rhyme to go out on, you know? I want Lois to have this good speech when she blows up, you know? Um, I think the thing that makes uh, Apocalypse War so amazing is you don't have to love what has become known as the quote-unquote Tucker-verse. Yeah. You know, everything from Justice League War, like, you know, Heath Corson came on this podcast years ago like when we had just started and he just was like, yeah, they wanted Superman to be a kind of a dick. And he was. And a lot of people made it about the red underwear, but it wasn't that it was his personality. He was, he was different. He was edgier. And um, when he died in the death and the return, you don't feel the loss like the Dan Jurgens comic book because you don't love that guy. But in apocalypse war, you don't care where you're jumping on. If you jumped on from the very beginning, that's been the guy for the last 10 years. You're like, holy, holy crap. Then there's the other aspect of the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? The, the whole idea of that was the time when he gets t- drilled that soup, that S tattoo, that is the part where you're like, you your heart aches for him like that's amazing writing like that's an amazing thing you took a character that either is this legacy character where anybody with the red cape 
is George Reeves or Christopher Reeve, or you just got on, or you don't even like that guy more than the doomsday scene. And it's more than the doomsday scene, that apocalypse war, what they, what you did to Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the flash where he had to keep running. Oh my God. Like great, great stuff. And it's unique. It was original and it was characters you knew, but it took them in places that you never thought they'd go. And I cannot praise that movie enough. The apocalypse war is out of this world. The only, and the only reason is, uh, is that it is that way is because we got called early to wrap, to wrap it up. Otherwise, I think, I'm going to guess here a little bit, that mm-hmm. James was going toward the dark side war. So we mm-hmm. had to do our own version of the dark side war without like, you know, Ms. Ms. Marvel or, or, or Supergirl, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we had to do a bunch of, bunch of different things. And, you know, once they were like, I mean, the reason why the, reason why the movie also is, is this like wonderful, it, it works really well, is in Marriage Draft, Superman was the lead. When they brought me in to do Justice League Dark, I'm like, well, I'm going to make Constantine the lead. Right. So, Superman, so it's all his perspective. So I cut down on the Superman scenes, but that the first draft had Superman as the as the lead in a lot of his scenes. He's mm. very, very important. So it's almost like a two-hander, even though it's not a buddy film. They're That's both so like, you know, and then there, there's all the other minor characters, some of which I had written before, right? Like, so I was very familiar with, with say, sure. Damien. And and right, uh, right. and Raven, right? Because right? you did uh, the Judas contract, right? So I was like, oh yeah, this is great, you know. And because Justice League Dark, I was like, well, let's get Etrigan in here, and I want him to be buff. The, the rhyming, I was actually not very good at in that movie, <laughs> and I have to give credit to the great Alan Burnett for yeah, really yeah. helping me out. And he wrote some of the lines, you know. There's Legend- like, the legendary Alan Burnett. Yeah, the legendary, right? So. In this one, I'm like, well, I want that Etrigan character in there because I think he's emo Etrigan. So I pitched emo Etrigan. He's bummed that Jason Blood is gone and he doesn't rhyme anymore. And they were like, yes, and that'll get it to be more Justice League Dark, right? So add a Justice League Dark character. And then it was just like so good, but he was so psyched to fight Wonder Woman, right? And it's just such a great fight. Totally. And, and Wonder Woman getting out of her funk, Constantine bringing oh. out of it. I mean, there's just like some very fun stuff that we just had to go, how, how will we do it? There was no, you know, uh, there was no ripping off pieces because we didn't have enough pieces to rip off. So we had to create something that was new that solved some of those problems. You know, and James had a ton of ideas on how to how to solve plot lines. You know, like uh, from the very beginning, I I did not like. I watched these two. I'm a huge fan. Okay, mm-hmm. so I watched the three Bat Family ones, and so I came, Batman versus Robin. Right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, and then uh, uh, Batman Bad. 
Son of Batman. Yes, Son of Batman. Right, and and then and then one more. Right, Batman, Bad Blood. I'm thinking. I don't have the list in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, God, I hate Damien. He's such (laughs) a snot. He's such a punk. James, let me kill Damien off. And he's like, No, you have to write him. I want to use him in uh, in uh, Teen Titans, the Juice contract. So I'm like, All right, well, you know, let's do a relationship with him. Let me get down to him. I'm like, Oh, this guy's okay. You know, this whole when when I got told about the Deathstroke stuff and 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 his dad. You know, there there are parts of comics I'm not familiar with. Shocker, right? Because there's so much of it, and and I'm like, okay, okay, now I'm liking him a little bit better. And then he had like a little cameo in Hush, and it was like, well, that's a pretty funny scene. And 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 then at the end, he's like, for Apocalypse War, okay, you can kill him. And I'm like, but now I don't want to, right? <laughs> so he's like, no, no, you're gonna kill him, and then we're gonna bring him back with White Raven. And, I, and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. like, that's perfect. I get to kill him, but he's coming back. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's, 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 it's best of both worlds for me. You know, no, it's, it's crazy. It, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, uh, I have, I've raved about a lot of those movies. I mean, the early ones, uh, Under the Red Hood is great. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so I like many the dark nights. Ooh, those are my favorites. Oh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, Dark yeah, Knight yeah. Returns that's great two. too. Yeah, those that's are my great favorites. too. I like the uh, the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. That's another great one. Um, Flashpoint so, Paradox. Flashpoint. Yep, that's another great one. But Apocalypse War. I, it, I mean, since we're telling secrets out of school here, I remember um, a mutual friend of ours had sent me a link to see just a screener copy, but it was like a like. It was on a small screen. It was like I think I saw it on a phone, and I was just like, "This is deep. Like this is big." And then the Blu-ray came out probably ten days later. You know, we—that's what we timed the podcast around. Mm-hmm. And I bought the Blu-ray and I watched it on a big TV, and I said, "This is gorgeous. Like this is this is something else." And um, like I said, I don't want to do this whole episode on that one movie, but. If you if, 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 anyone who know, has listened to this podcast lo- loyally knows Apocalypse War is as good a superhero movie as there is in the last 10 years. There's no secret about that. And there's been a lot of great ones. Uh, there, there is at all. Um, how did you get into this world? How did you get into not just writing, but writing for animation and writing for superhero animation? Well, you know, the answer to this one's pretty easy. Um, I went to film school with Jim Krieg. And, oh, and Jim I Krieg, actually... Who was, just, just, who was just on the podcast. He was, it, was he on the podcast also? Jim Krieg was on... Hold on. Uh, 253, so two months ago? So he oversees these, but... Yep. Um, so... At the AFI, the American Film Institute, you do a like a, a, a pre-project and then there's three cycle projects. So we were actually put in a group together to do this boot camp project. That's what they're called. Like, uh, so, so I wrote his boot camp film, which has to be like a three or four minute thing. And then uh, 
we liked each other enough to work again together. And I, I, I wrote his, another one of his cycle projects that, that he liked, you know, that turned out, that turned out pretty well. And so maybe two, three years uh, after graduating, he was on Spider-Man and a position was coming up and we were at lunch and we were just talking about our comic love you know talking about the john semper series yeah spider-man the animated series yep yeah so he's like how about i bring you in to you know to like interview for for a job john's john semper is looking for new people Mm -hmm. and i must have said something that was okay (laughs) uh and and so i got a shot and and so my first paid gig was was as a staff writer for the last season of the 1990s Spider-Man, which was well, the number the, one show at the time. That's the uh, the Six Forgotten Warriors and the exactly. Secret Wars and the yeah. Secret Wars. Oh, uh, see that this is what I thought when I when I did the research for 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 the you know knowing that you were coming on, I you know I, I looked into your career and IMDb and whatever whatever it was, and all I saw was Spider-Man, and I said, oh Jesus, we're gonna go down that rabbit hole. That is because you know, there's been a lot of talk about Spider-Man and he's been in the news and, you know, in the month of December, we're going to be talking about that new film that he's in. But the reality of it is, is that the animated series, the, not the, the ones that followed, but that animated series, uh, he was in college. And it's my theory, and I, I don't try to put words in other people's mouth, but it is my theory that in that show was the best incarnation of the balance between his goofiness and his, you know, his his Peter Parkerness and the heroism, and the Tom Holland character doesn't have that yet. He's not the hero yet. He's the accidental guy. You know, he didn't figure out Mysterio, and he couldn't get the gauntlet. The, you know, he's the one who cried, and like he's the kid. But you guys put him in college, and that's a question more for John Semper. But the idea that that show really exemplified what that character is and i just i you can tell spider-man that's one of the best spider-man things out there let me tell you how much i had to do with the greatness of the 90s spider-man zero ah. percent it's <laughs> all it is mostly john semper and other far more experienced writers like Stan Berkowitz, Mark Hoffmeyer, Jim Krieg, others that I I don't even know that well, but it was my first job. I thought I knew how to write. And after about one week with John, I was like, well, crap, I don't know how to write at all. (laughs) I I, like, God, he's taking pity on me and kind of teaching me how to, how to write. Um, You know, and, uh, so we were his hands. I, I was I was part of the hands team where it's like, just get me something that's exactly this outline and then I shall make it good. And that's what he did. I, I bet you if I would look back on that, I, I, I did look back on it, say, 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, my God, my the, my draft dialogues is so stilted and so bad oh, and, he, and he had to fix it but that's what the story editor produced does. that's does. what it does right that's it, what so right. that's what the leewalds did on x-men and 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 yeah. we, uh christopher that. daniel barnes by the way episode 194 he's been on this podcast he's the voice of spider-man in the animated series and 
You also worked on uh, Green Lantern with yes. Giancarlo Volpe, who uh, I have always praised. Uh, Giancarlo Volpe was episode two of this podcast when we had 12 listeners. Episode like, two? He, he is episode two. The first, the, we, I started this podcast and Giancarlo Volpe is episode two. I'm super curious. Who was episode one? Uh, Scott Collins, the artist on The Flash. Wow. Cool. Uh, he, he wrote The Flash comic book, and The Flash was a hot show on CW at the time. And I remember Scott Collins and I got into a debate on whether or not Grant Gustin's character should be Wally West, because a whole generation knows him as Wally West. And I it just it's a great debate. And the, like to me, that's like the the sports debates of, you know, who is better, Dan Marino or Joe Montana? You know what I mean? Like neither one's wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but people debate. And I, I think the, the Wally West, Barry Allen debate, what I thought you could have done with that show is since you had John Wesley ship, make him Barry Allen and make the kid Wally West. And you tie it in the storyline and it doesn't miss a beat because the justice league show had just ended less than a decade before the flash comes on. You know, this is like, uh, I think everybody has their favorite James Bond, their favorite right. Doctor Who, yep. their favorite version of Spider-Man, and it's all what you grew up with, and that's going to be your favorite. So, right. like, for me, Barry Allen's a fine choice, but sure. for other people, they want Wally West, and, yep. you know, I totally get that, and, and there, there's good versions of each it's just whichever the one that that you you know fall in love with john john Semper, john Semper would kill me but if i'm asked which is my favorite version of spider-man i go back to the ralph Bakshi one because i was oh, like uh, eight. oh sure the 60s yeah yeah i was yeah. eight i was like this is sure. the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life right <laughs> like, i just always was amazed by how deep a voice he had under that man i was like I thought he was young, <laughs> but, uh, and, 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 you know, the funny thing about Giancarlo Volpe was, uh, I reached out to him on Twitter. I had just started this podcast. Like we literally had 12 listeners and he was so, you know, uh, um, generous with his time and he just, he had a blast and we did it and we've kept in touch ever since. And I thought that, that, uh, that show I don't think Cartoon Network let Giancarlo do what I thought he wanted to do. I thought he it was very limited to how many characters he would use. And I think he wanted to do more. I oh. think I think he would have done a Guy Gardner as a, you know, he wanted Kyle Rayner like he would have gone to all. He loved Green Lantern and you could see it in the in his work. What was it like working on that show? Well, um, I, I'd say it was both uh, a John Carlos slash Jim Creek show. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, we, like I said, we just had Jim on and he talked yeah. Green Lantern too. Yeah. I mean, like, Jim was the person who, with Bruce Tim, did the initial pitch of the show before anybody else was hired, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was, uh, it was them too. And then, and then John Carlo came on. Um, I got hired as a staff writer. Um, but they don't give the credit, but I was there for, for the year. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the funnest 
one of the funnest times. Again, John Semper might get mad at me. But uh, with John Semper, we usually just came twice a week and he would buy us lunch and we do we do like four hours of work breaking story. With Warner Brothers, I got to do that every day. And we had to go in every day for, for like eight hours and and work on Green Lantern show. Um, not only that, Bruce Timm's Green Lantern, you know, which was like, I was such a huge fan from Batman, the animated series. I was like always, oh, if I can only get onto that one, you know, <laughs> but um, but it was it was really good. And the reason why it's it's sparse in, in the beginning is because it was one of the uh, it was a CG show, and it was it was the only one at that point. It wasn't a two D show. So you had to do this little asset dance to, to where you had to make up a library and kind of do stories in, in a certain order where we could like, let's use that alien again, where we only have to change right. their hairstyle. Because he's loaded right. in the computer already, right? Yeah, or their torso, and that only counts as this much. And then we could have more of them in the back, right? Mm -hmm. You also had to do a couple bottle shows, like the Sinestro show is just set on the ship. Right, right, right. There's just like four characters in that one. <laughs> Sinestro, the evil alien. HBO and Max, and, and and you you know you reference Spider Man, but Disney Plus has Spider Man now, and Green Lanterns on HBO Max. Like these things are all easily rewatchable, and they're 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 fantastic. And these streaming services promote the hell out of them. I mean, I I really think that's some of the best writing that I, I got to do and plus on the superhero show you know like I mean I think it was it was supposed to be for six to eleven but it came out a little bit older and a little bit more mature and and that's why I think people will love it and I think it will become this huge cult classic because the writing and the stories and how it looks and everything I, I mean it, it turned out very well it was it was like a magical combination, you know, with with John Carlo and Jim and Bruce uh, kind of leading the way, stirring the magical cauldron. If I will go on with the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was uh, what was your you, you know, you referenced the, the 60s Spider-Man series. What was what was your thing growing up? What was the thing that you know, one of the things that we have noticed as a pattern, Judd Winnick was on recently, and we were talking about, you can tell when writers of stuff love the material. The examples uh, that we've used is, you can tell John Favreau loves Star Wars. You know, when he made The Mandalorian, you can feel that the people who wrote it love the character. Um, and we never criticize in this in this podcast, we never criticize the performances. You know, we have a standard joke of Ryan Reynolds was great as Green Lantern. It's not his fault. He fought a cloud. You know, th th that's it, it's, it's always about story. And you can tell when it's uh, the passion for it. What was what was your drug of choice growing up? What was the thing that you were most into? Hmm. Well, I mean, comic books I, I was before i went to college yeah even through high school i was i was reading everything it, everything marvel and dc as far as the superhero world and i was going back into the into horror and sci-fi huge horror and sci-fi fan past and present 
and I was reading a bunch of, I mean, at that point, it was stuff like El Elric of Melna Bone or <laughs> the Thieves World or the, the beginning of um, the, the, what do you call it? Um, the Game of Thrones, you know, like started, or actually his, his book before that, George R. R. book before that, Wild Cards. There was a series with a bunch of a bunch of different authors. So I was a voracious reader. And, and at that point, say 85 and before, they only had this like one sci-fi and fantasy shelf. There wasn't this tremendous amount of material that there is right now. So you literally could have read it all. You're like, I, what else is there? It's like, you should read the Thulu stuff by, uh, by who's he watching? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, or the or the the uh, Howard uh, Howard I'm sorry Howard uh, Conan you know so you 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 could you can read all the way down to Edgar Rice Burroughs and all the 50s 60s 70s all the Bradberries the Besters uh, Arthur C Clarks so a uh, huge huge reader and and comic books and you know what what few manga things I could get my hands on and then also genre TV you know so so I just I just have always loved the comic-con stuff without knowing I I heard that there was a comic-con on the, on the west coast you would Santa. read about it you would hear about yeah, it but right I would be doing there was no the New York con, no New York con at that point and I was I was just there, there was a a comic convention thrown by this this one older guy and I was like 12 or 14 and he would let me rent a table if I could come up with the 15 bucks so I'd come oh, up wow. with two, wow. two, boxes, so cool. two boxes and That's I had cool. some decent stuff so I would just be constantly like trading upwards I was less there to sell anything than I was to look and see what everybody else had and trade up you know totally totally how can people find you online? Oh, uh, well, I'm at Ernie Altbacker or at EJ Altbacker uh, on Twitter. And, um, and I, I have an Instagram also, same that's, that's connected in there. And uh, so, yeah, if they, uh, they want to follow me or ask the occasional question, I'll try and answer it as best I can. Well, one thing that I'll offer up is if there's anything that you heard in this podcast that you have an issue with, do me a favor, reach out to Ernie directly and leave me the hell out of it. Wow. Throwing me under the bus. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll see. You. I'm going to do that some joke. sort of tweet on Seth. <laughs> we do that joke every podcast and someone has a different response every time. <laughs> every right. single time. It's too All cool. right. Ernie, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it and continued success to you. Uh, you're doing great work, my man. Congratulations on all your success. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Um, I hope everybody keeps watching. And uh, and yeah, just there's there's so much great stuff out there that you just gotta you know just gotta go find it. Well, we'll have you back when you're you can announce your next stuff. All right. Sounds good. That is uh, Ernie Altbacker. Thank you for listening again. The show's back uh, every Thursday uh, through the end of 2021 and beyond. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like the reviews, the whole thing. That's how iTunes markets podcasts. Uh, we will continue to put out uh, great episodes each and every week. If you do so, so, so. 
Uh, we will see you next week for another edition of the Hall of Justice. Our thanks to Ernie Altbacker. We'll see you next time. Believe it or not.